Welcome to Arcade Attack. Retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Hi guys, Adrian here from Arcade Attack, and on today's show, I talk to Chris Hulsbeck. Now he is a real legend when it comes to retro game music. And he has worked on such classics like R-Type, Monkey Island, the Turrican series, Star Wars games, Resident Evil 2, you name it, he's put his music to it. So sit back and enjoy a really, really great interview. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the Arcade Attack podcast. It really is a real honour to have you here. Uh, I really appreciate your time talking to us. Well, thank thank you and uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've had the pleasure of talking to uh, Tommy Tallarico a few weeks ago and he's another music legend in the game industry, but I, I can't wait to hear your story as well, how, how you got into music and games and how it all came together. So the first question really is, how did you first, or what's your first or earliest memories of music and video games, and how did the two worlds collide for you? Yeah, so with me, it definitely started with music, actually. So um, I grew up in a musical family. You know, my grandma was a piano teacher, and later my, my aunt and my mom also became piano teachers. So we always had, like, instruments in the house. Excellent. And um, I think I started like hammering on those instruments already at age four or something. Wow. And um, I think really like my the first time I, you know, became interested in music or things on the radio or electronic music for that matter actually was in the, the mid early mid 70s uh, that um, uh, popcorn ah. from the. Uh, Gershon, or what what's the name was of the guy who invented that? I think it was a big hit by another band called Popcorn uh, Hot Butter, and they made this popcorn song. Oh, okay, and maybe that appealed to like a four or five year old or something. I don't know, but uh, I heard that, and uh, I was I was hooked on music and and with the pianos in the house and stuff like that. It just was like kind of a destiny. Yeah. And then my my grandma tried to give me piano lessons from probably age five, age six, around there. Uh, but I didn't stick with it. I did it for about a year or two uh, because my grandma was very old school. And she would, <laughs> I mean, she was a really nice woman. But when she was teaching piano, I tell you, she would hit her students with a stick. <laughs> So that was not uh, very appealing to me. And then also a little bit later, I really got into that uh, sound of electronic music. Um, So I listened to the radio, to the special radio show, sounds from the synthesizer. That was the thing that was running. And and, uh, so I became really a fan of like Tangerine Dream and Kraftwerk and uh, Vangelis and uh, Jean-Michel Jarre, all those like early synthesizer pioneers, um, you know, they were my idols. Oh, and excellent, yeah. From, from that point on in my early, um, 
probably when I turned 10, 11 or something, I wanted to own a synthesizer. Mm. And, um, and, and I couldn't afford one. And then a little bit later, when the Commodore 64 was introduced in the market, I realized, uh, hey, this has a real synthesizer sound chip, and that could be my entry to, to make synthesizer music. Nice. So, yeah. And with games, it was probably like a, a parallel development, you know, where uh, I had my first video game experience at a fair, uh, at the fairgrounds in our town, um, where the early arcade uh, games were uh, brought in and uh, people were putting in their, uh, you know, the, the, the money and were playing video games. And that was like really in the early days, like maybe a little slightly after Pong, but, uh, uh, you know, like Space Invaders and yeah, stuff like that. Proper classics. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my first contact. And obviously, I was hooked immediately as like a, a, a child, you know, the, those things have an enormous draw. And, um, and I actually became addicted to, uh, to arcade games for a while there. Um, until I was able to get a Atari VCS, you know, that first system was the cartridges. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I was hooked on that, that, that kind of waned me off my arcade addiction. Uh, and I played uh, on the, uh, on the Atari. And then, and then again, like the home computers, my friend had like a um, Commodore VC20. And then the Commodore 64 was introduced. And really that was for me, like the machine to have because of that synthesizer sound chip and because I would be able to play games on there. And, and stuff like that. So I, yeah, I don't know. Should I go deeper into this? <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I saved up some money. I, I was uh, delivering newspapers to save money for that Commodore 64. And I remember also like the day I was really not, I didn't want to wait any longer. We went to the, to the, uh, to another city to, to buy a computer. Yeah. And all I had was like 400 Deutschmarks. Uh, and the Commodore 64 was 500. Oh, and, no. and I almost bought an Atari 800, I said 400XL or something like that. Yeah. Uh, because that was in my budget. And, but my, my grandma, bless her soul, <laughs> <laughs> did realize that I wanted the Commodore 64 and gave me the rest of the money. So I brought home my Commodore 64 and the rest is history, but we'll talk about that. Nice, More, yeah. brilliant. That's a lovely. So <laughs> you've got the, the the game machine of your dreams. You had to be patient. Exactly. Yeah, and no, I I can um I, I remember doing a paper round actually saved up money for a PC. It, it took a long time. So brilliant stuff. Absolutely. Um, and your recording is running, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You don't you don't want all this stuff and then something fails. <laughs> oh no, definitely. I'm, I'm going to double check now. It's definitely recording, Chris. Don't worry about it. Um, cool. How did you get into the video game industry then? I appreciate you're a massive fan of music, massive fan of games, but how did you actually get into the industry? Yeah, that was, I, I slid kind of into it because I got that Commodore 64 and yeah. obviously the first year I was only playing games. I didn't, I mean, you know, when you, when it's, it's hard to fathom for somebody who's growing up today how that actually was because when you buy a computer nowadays, you switch it on and there's like a thousand programs that you can use right away and there's yeah. professional music software and video editing and all that stuff. When you turn on the Commodore 64, you get nothing. There's like a <laughs> cursor blinking. And yeah. then and then what do you do? And I was like 14 or 15 years old. And I had I had a little tiny bit of programming experience from a computer that my uncle owned, you know, okay. like a business computer. I could type in like the uh, 10-4 or something and then print and then uh, return and stuff like that. So I could do like some basic programming. Yeah. Uh, but but other than that, the, the machine would do nothing, right? So then the first year I was only gaming and, and, and playing games. And uh, then I got kind of more interested, hey... Um, I wanted to, I, I got the bug of like, I wanted to develop my own game because I was such a fan of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a logical step. So, um, and the, the music was still there, but I was also like helping out as a, um, 
a music store in town and I was actually at that time already playing with real synthesizers mm. and MIDI and all that stuff. Uh, so I had a little bit of an outlet there. So I, I, I was really trying to get into game development nice. and yeah. base, basic programming didn't cut it. I developed my first game in basic and uh, that didn't go very far. And I decided I need to learn machine language or yep. assembly. And a friend of mine actually was a pretty good assembly programmer and he taught me a lot. And then the rest came from like books and just trying out things. And this was actually the most exciting part to trying out things because um, when you're like 15 or 16 years old and you're discovering something like that, all of a sudden you feel like God. Yeah, it's in your hands. In a way. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's in your hands. Yeah, because you 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 do something that not a lot of other kids out there are doing, mm. and uh, then you get like the rewards when you when you make something happen on the machine. Yeah, and and so that was that was really like that that pioneer drive that we had my friends and 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 I to to uh, get something special out of the machine, and that's when I also realized I'm really not that good in developing games. <laughs> But I did learn assembly language and then I got back into the music part because oh, wow. my friend had actually already sold a game to a games company. Oh, what was, what game and he was, was it? working. Sorry. Uh, I don't know what his first one was, but the second one he was working on, he needed music for because it was already a step up from the first game. Ah, yeah, okay. And he, he wasn't a musician or musically inclined. And so I learned programming in assembly and I made the first game music for his game. And that game was called Planet Planet of War. Nice. Okay, brilliant. And and it, the interesting part about it is, so this all happened in like 85, 1985. And uh, his game did not come out until 1987, when I was already working for Rainbow Arts. Wow. So it came out much later, but it was nevertheless my first game music. And then... From that point on, I developed my my music player further, and I saw a, a call for a, a contest in a magazine, a prominent uh, C64 magazine in Germany. Uh, they wanted music generated with the Commodore 64, and you could send up in your piece, and then they would uh, they would pick the ten best, and there was obviously a grand prize. Wow! For first place, and I just wanted to send something in because I wanted one of those. I wanted to be in the top 10 there yeah. to uh, to appear on their cover list that they wanted to put on a special edition of their magazine. And to my surprise, I won that contest. Well done. So, and I made first place. And that that piece was called Shades. Yeah. And that really, like, essentially kickstarted my career. And um, from that point on, it was uh, getting really busy. I developed actually um, a sound monitor, which was an editor for music data, uh, because before I was just typing it into memory and that was very tedious. So the sound monitor was like the next step uh, of uh, making the entering of the music data easier. And that is now known as kind of like the granddaddy of uh, trackers, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and that was then released in the sister magazine uh, as listing of the months. And then uh, with that, all that going on, I also looked for uh, gigs in the gaming games industry. Uh, I was still in school, and first I looked for freelance projects, and I called um, I called Rainbow Arts. They had an ad in, in one of those magazines. Yeah, and they were just like starting out, and the, but they were starting out big. They had a good uh, funding for their uh, first uh, year, and uh, they they came out big. You know, we want to be Germany's number one game developer, and well, had all kinds of projects in the pipeline. And I called them up. I remember uh, in those days it was really easy uh, for for me. You know, I. Uh, called them up on the phone, talked to the boss, and played him some pieces over the phone that wow. I had done with my sound monitor and that Shades piece and told him about it. And he said, I'm going to hire you. 
You know, you can <laughs> you you can start here tomorrow. And I said, I'm still in school. I can't do that. But anyway, so um, we we did some I did some freelance projects for them, and then I did quit school actually wow. uh, mid twelfth twelfth grade and started working for them. Wow, were your were your parents a bit miffed about you skipping or missing school? Were they were they happy about that? Yeah, they were they were definitely concerned about it, but they also saw my passion, I saw my early successes. I already started earning money. Wow. wow. And the job the job was actually a good job and they they know how much I struggled in school, not because I was dumb, but because I had no interest in school. Yeah. You know, I I uh um I I only went to like 12th grade and wanted to go on to 13th grade because I didn't want to do like a, um, uh, an internship or anything. I did not even want to go to university, but it was just to keep the status quo, you know. I, I stay in school for a little bit longer so I can uh, play with my computers and music. Brilliant. And so when that came, I, I knew that there was an opportunity there and they saw the salary that they were offering me and... They said, well, you can always come back if it doesn't work out. But, you know, they, I went and that was that. Well done. <laughs> Been uh, in the games industry ever since, almost 32 years now. I, I mean, that was a brilliant decision. I bet. Have you ever thought, what would life be like if you didn't take the opportunity and you stuck at school? Have you ever thought what maybe where you'd be right now how how crazy is that i, I can't i can't even fathom it i yeah. i mean yeah there was there would have probably been a life for me sure but i don't know if i would have been comfortable or happy yeah well fuck. so that's that's amazing it, i suppose that's advice if you want to get get where you want you take those opportunities you take a few risks you, you, you really need to but you also need to um uh, see yourself and you you need to know in your heart that you can do it because yeah. i mean you can't if if you have no talent and uh, you're you're like lazy or whatever, and I'm uh, I have my own laziness, but that's a different story. <laughs> but if you if you uh, have any doubts about your abilities, then you can't really do such a thing. But if you know in your heart that this is the right thing and you have something to bring to an industry or to a, to a craft or whatever, then totally go for it. Yeah, that's all you got. You know. Brilliant! No, that's excellent advice, and I really like that story. Brilliant. Um, your list of games is incredible. I mean, you've got you've worked on I don't know sixty, seventy, eighty games. We could, we could I, I think it's actually close to a hundred. Well, there you go. Then I mean, that's incredible. I mean, you've we can talk about individual titles all day, but like R Type, Monkey Island, Turok, and Resident Evil, Guiana Sisters. I mean, could you can you explain the feeling? Of when you finally Star Wars, Star Wars. <laughs> how would you how would you describe the feeling when you actually finish a project, you see it released? What sort of buzz do you get? How how does that feel? Can you put it into words? <laughs> well, I would say finally done, man. I, I hate this project. <laughs> and then and then it takes me about like uh, it, it takes me a few months to recover, and then I started to like it again. But yeah. yeah, I had I had quite a few projects where when it was finally shipped, I wanted nothing to do with it anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. That's great honesty. I can I can probably understand what you're saying. I suppose you get so involved, and you, you're almost ready to yeah move on to the next project. But yeah, no, fair play. Um, can you run through a typical day of writing music for a video game, and how long does it take typically to start and complete a track? What's the typical day in your life then, Chris? There is no typical day, really. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's it's crazy. Sometimes uh, it, it the, it's a it's a process. It's not really a day. It's not fixed work hours. It's it's a total process. And sometimes it's very very hard to just buckle down and try to come up with something. And often that does not work out. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a certain amount of like craft that's involved, but you need that um, you need that initial a spark sure. that really gets it going and that can take anywhere from a few hours to two weeks or something for a piece it's it's um and i've 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 dabbled with different uh ways of like breaking writer's block when you hit it yeah and 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 sometimes it's as simple as like just dropping everything and going to the movies to be honest yeah clear your mind and yeah, 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 and and sometimes that is like that could be construed as laziness or 
things like that. But it's actually absolutely necessary for creative work. And I've had cases where, um, you know, I wake up from a dream or something and I jump up to run to the machine and there's a melody there and I have to get it down and record it. And then, and then there's a piece, you know, and then you flush it out, of course, but that, that initial spark is really important. Yeah. And I, I try to fill my life with definitely inspirational things to make that happen. Good. So you obviously you, you, you love you love your music. You, you into other like creative things like art and films as well. Then is that is that what you're saying as well? Yes, absolutely. Brilliant. That excellent. I, mean, I want to focus on one series of games now, the Turrican series. We are big fans here at Arcade Attack. We 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 love them. We love the soundtrack. We like the games as well. I think they're brilliant. Can you can you remember what what inspired you when working on these classic games? And how would you reflect back on the actual Turrican series? Is it is it up there with your best? Do you think? Because you know we're massive fans. Trust us. I I, <clears throat> I think so. It's it came at the right time and it was the perfect project for that time. Yeah. Because um, it was a few years into my career and I had the experience, but I also had. Um, you know, I had kind of like an idea of what I wanted to do, and that game really opened the floodgates for my creative output. And so it, it all ties in with like that early wish of doing synthesizer music. Yeah. So, and I also was heavily um, inspired by, by pop music. I wanted catchy melodies. You know, I always say like, uh, for fun, I, I bring that up, and it's uh, slightly embarrassing that I'm a fan of uh, Italo disco. Yeah. You know, uh, from the from the early '80s, and uh, that has had played a role in there. And um, so I thought, like, when when Turrican came about, I thought, like, okay, we here we have a game that's like action, it's jumping around, it's, a, it's a, it, it doesn't take itself too serious. And um, so why not come up with like a driving synthesizer soundtrack that, that, that and, and the driving part was more like rock style. Yeah. So faster tempos, you know, like uh, usually around 150, 160 beats per minute and just like uh, balls to the wall synthesizers and, and beats. It, and that, yeah. that became the signature for that. And then, I was also inspired by uh, Japanese games. They also have that kind of drive. And 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 so there were some inspirations from that. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that was just the perfect project for me. And um, I think to this day uh, that shows in all its uh, also reincarnations. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. I, I agree. It's, it goes so well with the game. It's you know quite a big series of games, real classics, and the music and the gameplay work so well together. Um, you also worked on Resident Evil Two. Can you? I mean, we we are again huge fans of that series. What was what was your exact work on that on that game? And did you, at the time did you know you were working on on a, a classic? On, on yeah, I actually I did I did play the first Resident Evil, and I think this was a. Uh, this was a port down in uh, down in San Diego. Yeah, a friend of mine worked at that company, and uh, through his referral, they contacted uh, Factor Five. I, I was already in the US there uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and um, they uh, wanted to use that music system that we had developed for the um, uh, Nintendo 64. Yeah, and uh, so. I flew down there and spent a few days there in their offices with their sound guy, and we um, we we worked on the port of the game. So I did not compose music for the game, but I knew what I was working on, and I was obviously honored uh, to work on such a a big franchise and classic. Of course. And uh, yeah, but um, I, I remember it was hard too. Um, there, there there were some difficult times to squeeze that kind that that amount of data uh, and samples and sounds and everything into that memory and make that happen yeah it's still amazing they managed to get a good version of resident evil 2 on the n64 and you know keeping the sound and music there as well is, is a big achievement isn't it let's be right. honest 
yeah. When you when you work on ports, then is it is that a little is that more pressure, less pressure? Is are you is some creative freedom taken away when you work? Yeah, on there's not. There's there's really no creative freedom if you do a port, yeah. uh, and all the difficulty then is usually on the technical side. I also remember that was Monkey Island. Yes. Um, the, the we were sweating bullets to uh, um, port that, but we we got it done. And to this day, many people tell me that they like the Amiga version as one of the best sounding ones. So that's obviously um, very I'm very happy about that. Well, uh, but yeah. yeah, I I actually prefer to do original stuff over ports. But sometimes you have to do it, and and um, you know I'm not unhappy that I've done it. But uh, I would prefer original work over ports. Good stuff. Well, I I can echo what people said about Monkey Island. That's how I played the game with the Amiga, and the music is part of it. And it's so you know I can still remember listening to it now when you know when I was playing the game in in my bedroom so many years ago so I have to say excellent job of Monkey Island Do you, are you a fan of those games as well the Monkey Island series I, I never played them back then I did play them uh, recently or well, a couple, two or three years ago uh, when I had my Twitch show yeah. uh, that, I, that I did for a while uh, and, and that's when I really like also understood why it had such a following because I was really more an arcade person sure and uh, so I, I really never got into the uh, adventure category that much, uh, but it was fun to see that, also to um, to see it from start to finish. Um, yeah, brilliant. Uh, you you sort of touched on it earlier when you were talking about Tarakin, and but again, pretty open question. But what are your biggest inspirations when you work on video game music? What's the big overall, if you could put it into words? Um. Well, it's, it draws really from everything, really from the, yeah. from the synthesizer legends, uh, over to pop music of the eighties, uh, over to film music, film scores. I got really a lot into film scores, uh, in the early nineties. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then also Japanese arcade uh, style stuff. Um, there's a lot. I mean, um, if became a huge fan of Yuzu Koshiro. Okay. Um, when he worked on the Super Nintendo and on the Sega Mega Drive. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, there's there's many, many sources. Fair enough. And I suppose it, it keeps coming, doesn't it? You're still working in game, the games industry now. I suppose you're always open to new inspirations and so forth. Absolutely. Good on you. Um, how do you reflect back on your video game music? I mean, like you said, you've been in the game for over 30 years. Do, how would you reflect? And do you have a personal favorite soundtrack? Is there a piece of music or a particular game that you think, yeah, this is my my, my pinnacle, my peak? Well, that, that's got to be Tarakan 2, yeah. right? Tarakan 2, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Classic. But the other maybe slightly lesser known favorites are uh, the uh, Apedia. Which I did was my own company that I founded was two friends. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, an arcade side scroller on the, uh, Amiga that actually is also, um, probably up there, uh, as one of the uh, best Amiga games, action games that came out. And, uh, then, uh, the, uh, also Jim Power that was probably at, uh, the same time, yep. which is, uh, kind of, it's it, that one is kind of uh, uh, goes in into similar direction as Tarakan, but it's slightly more uh, inspired by the Japanese arcades. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite happy and proud of that project. And then obviously my work later on the Star Wars games, yeah, um, yeah. which was which was a whole uh, different uh, beast uh, because we we did take a lot of the soundtracks from the movies. But what uh, some people don't know is um, about half the music is also original new compositions Wow! that are just trying to fit in with the um, Star Wars tracks. That Yeah, that must and, be difficult because obviously you've got so much pressure to deliver, uh, fit into the landscape. That must be another level of pressure, I suppose. Enormous pressure, and yeah. particularly because I was also such a big John Williams fan. 
Yeah, uh, I still am to this day, of course, and um, and uh, uh, that was a very hard project, particularly the first one, uh, Star Wars Work Squadron, uh, because not only did I try to make a soundtrack that fit into the Star Wars uh, universe, but also um, I had to do it on the cartridge. You know, Nintendo 64 was the last cartridge game, really. Of course, uh, of course yeah. and and so it was limited in memory for sampling. It had limited uh, sound channels, and so uh, that was a very very hard project. And uh, that was particularly one where after it was done, I could not look at it for years. Really, that, and then yeah. and then much later, I uh, I I played it again years later, and that's when I realized, hey, I actually did. A pretty good job on that one. I'm sure many people would agree with you. So yeah, well done. Um, you've obviously worked for many games companies. You've you've worked for some huge players, some indie projects as well. Is there a games company that you particularly love working for? Is there one that gave you all the freedom in the world? Is there any companies that really sort of stand out for you that you love working for? Um, no, I think uh, really the the best companies obviously were Factor Five. Yeah, Rainbow Arts and my my own company. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's here and there. There's like some uh, developers that treat you better, and then there's some that are more difficult. So um, I can't can't really say there's one that hundred um, percent uh, stands out. Uh, but obviously, my my involvement with Factor Five was the um, was the best one of my career, obviously. Yeah, that some proper hits there, wasn't it? Definitely. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, I asked, I asked Tommy this a slight, a slightly cheeky question. Um, but did you ever work on a game or a piece of music that you actually found really difficult to complete, like maybe writer's block, and you found it hard to get motiv- motivated for? Is there a, maybe a particular piece of music you just didn't think really hit all the kind of the right numbers for you? I think that actually happens on on pretty much every project was one of the pieces, oh, okay. except for maybe the maybe the few projects where you only compose the title music or something. You know, like I did with the R Type uh, series. Uh, there, I really just had a blast and got it done out the door, and it was super fun. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but usually, like on on larger games, it's if, on on every one of them you hit pieces that just are very difficult to complete. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, we have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Bubsy here at Arcade Attack. He's a, he, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> he's a bit I, of, actually, I, was, I was kind of like riding the controversy and saying, hey, now I'm doing Bubsy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> he, he divides opinion, that's for sure. Some people love him, some people can't stand him. Um, how did you get the opportunity to work on his latest game and... What are your views on this particular character? Are you are you a fan of Bubsy, for example? I'm not a fan. <laughs> I can't I can't say I hate him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was really just a, I I was barely aware of that franchise. Ah, okay. And um, and uh, so the reason I got it was uh, because the company who who developed that for this other company that worked with the original company and the. The the, um, the rights and everything uh, that was uh, Black Forest Games who had uh, worked with me on the Genesis um, Just with the Dreams obviously yeah and uh, so that's why they why they contacted me uh, because we had such a good work relationship on the Genesis latest installment <laughs> fair enough no fair enough so you haven't really got an opinion about the character himself but but, but fair play yeah, to me yeah. he's and back isn't he that game was also a collaboration with my uh, friend and frequent collaborator Fabian Del Prior from Germany. Yeah. Who is who is kind of like my see he's almost my alter ego, uh, mini me, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, he we we go way back into the um, mid nineties and uh, worked on quite a few projects together. And he he gets my style and um, uh, you know we. We we always have like a good work relationship. Brilliant, brilliant, and brilliant. He had fun with that project too. Uh, yeah, but I bet it is working on a Bubsy game has got to be good fun, right? <laughs> you can't take it that seriously. I'm sure it's a lot of fun. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, when I was speaking to Tommy before, he actually mentioned you as a games composer that he really likes and respects. Is there, apart from your own work, is there a game or any other sort of people in the industry, in the, in the music industry, in the game industry that you are, are a big fan of? Um, well, I mean, I, I mentioned Yuzo Koshiro. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely one. And then um, uh, Marty O'Donnell, you know, with the Halo series was, was really a milestone. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's so many, you know. Uh, Assassin's Creed really impressed me. Yeah. The, the Jasper Kid soundtracks. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we could go on forever. And, uh, <laughs> do you, yeah, do you, when you play, so I, many awesome games. So, uh, when you play these games, are you, are you, have you always got an ear out listening to their music and seeing how it's done in, in, in other people's ways? I bet it's quite interesting. And then let's not forget, here's also a shout out to really the, the early veterans, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob Hubbard. Yeah, uh, legend, yeah. First and foremost, and, and, and all the British composers. That was actually, um, that was actually interesting. When I finished Shades, yeah. Uh, that, that, uh, the one day contest, uh, at that time, I wasn't even aware of Rob Hubbard. Yeah. And the, the, um, the editor from the magazine, he called me or we talked on the phone and he's, he essentially said like, Hey, I think your music and quality reminds me of Rob Hubbard. And I said like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I realized a little bit later and, and, and heard some music and that was really cool. And, yeah, I mean, there were, there were so many that really shaped the way. Yeah. Do you, do you ever work? Have you worked with Rob before? Have you worked with many of these sort of legends as well? Or is it, is it quite a solo sort of job? No, we, we, we never worked uh, together. And also back then it was not the time of the internet or anything. Yeah. It was actually really difficult to communicate with somebody in a different country and, so I never had contact until much, much later. I met Rob, I think in 2001 or so at the game developers conference out in, in the US. Yeah. And, um, that was cool. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't have, I didn't have a lot of contact to these um, legends, as you say. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there's mutual respect both ways because you're definitely a legend in, in my eyes as well, Chris. So good on you. Um, okay. It, is there any advice you could give anyone looking to enter the music or video game industry? Is there anything you could say, any pearls of wisdom? Well, if if it's your passion and you, um, you know, if you're if you're honest enough and you know that you got the talent for it, um, then really there's uh, there's different ways to. Well, I mean, I was really lucky when I started out that there was not no competition essentially. Yeah. I mean, in Germany, there were maybe like two or three people who were doing things like that. In, in the UK, there were a handful, but that was it in Europe even. And uh, so it was not really difficult to break into the in industry. Um, nowadays, uh, but nowadays, it's also like you uh, can do a lot of education, actually. Like there are courses for video game development, for um uh, audio for games and, and so on. Um, there's specialized colleges for that. I think for music composition, you could uh, do just like, um, similar to film composing. Yeah. There's classes all over the world. Um, uh, just for like scoring and stuff. It's, it would probably be very helpful if you could, um, uh, learn how to score for orchestras. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of ways how you can, build a career uh it might be just it, it needs a little bit more work than in those early days even though i mean we were also like not not to uh, minimize what we did uh, because part of that um work that we did back then the pioneer work was learning to program and developing our own software and stuff like that which uh was probably just as difficult as uh, learning how to score for an orchestra so it's a different in world a way now, that it? was yeah. My, yeah. yeah it was self-taught but it was probably the same amount of time and passion i had to put into it to to get to that point which just shows you perseverance well yeah that's on. actually one of the most important things tenacity yeah perseverance 
uh, and uh, be honest with your talents. I mean, uh, you know, there's that, there's that Monty Python clip. I don't know if you remember that, where uh, where the guy wants to uh, wants to be a lion uh, tamer or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, really is a, uh, he's, he's a pencil pusher, <laughs> and the uh, the career advice person uh, tries to steer him away from the big cats. <laughs> and that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, you have to be honest with your abilities, but. Uh, but if you if you got it if you got that um, talent and the passion then I would say go for it you know then then the world is really open. Good, and that's really good advice. Good advice. Yeah. Are you a fan of like British uh, comedies then and British humour? Is that kind uh, of your cup of tea? Love Monty Python, <laughs> man. How can you not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's classic. And, I mean, I think any intelligent uh, person would love Monty Python. Yeah. No, I, I think it was ahead of its time back in the day, wasn't it? It's was very, very Absolutely. original. You've made, like you said, music for, let's say, over 100 games. How incredible is that? Have you actually played every game you've made music for? And is there actually your personal favorite video game? Not necessarily the music, but the game that you thought, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely... Uh... Um, on any project I work on, I, I, um, you know, I dive into it and I yeah. feel it out. And that includes often playing early demo versions or getting like graphics and, and or video footage or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know the games I'm working on, obviously, but, um, yeah, after my career started, the gaming really, when became less and less frequent. Yeah. Just because I don't have the time to really invest. Uh, what I do often nowadays is actually uh, look at, at newer games uh, at the playthroughs uh, on YouTube. Okay. I, I usually I usually seek out the ones that have uh, no commentary so I can um, enjoy the music uh, and, the, and the sound. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's usually how, how I became, uh, how I, I stay on top of like what's, what's going on in the, in the games industry. The last big games that I played really, um, uh, front to back, uh, were the Portal series, Portal 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I adore. Probably, yeah. Uh, for me, that those are some of the best games ever made. They're your favorite, Portal, yeah. Yeah, really. Because, I mean, um, I'm a huge fan, yeah. Yeah, particularly because I'm not a big fan, and that's my personal choice of uh, violent video games. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't like the, the, the war simulations that you see everywhere, or war or crime simulations. Yeah. Um, uh, I find that personally not appealing. Uh, but taking like a first-person shooter kind of, um, uh. Feel and ambience and put that into, uh, um, you know, like in, in, in kind of like, if you will, a puzzle game. It, it is really, isn't it? That, uh, was Portal was absolutely brilliant. It's very clever. If they ever made a Portal 3, would that be a game you'd like to make music for? I know it's a bit hypothetical question, but that would that be interesting? Absolutely. Yeah. Would it, I would love to um, work on a game like that and it would also frighten me. Because they set the bar so high. Not, yeah. I mean, there wasn't that much music in, in Portal, um, but the music that was there was very well done mm. to support the gameplay and um, in, in part subdued, but very clever. And um, I, I was in awe of the whole sound design of that game. Yes. And um, yeah, and if, if, but if, the other thing is, if Portal Three comes out, I will buy it on the first day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sound like a mega fan. Um, I, I must actually ask you quickly. There's a there's been a big resurgence recently of uh, video game music on vinyl. So people buying vinyl copies of the classic uh, soundtracks of games. Do, do, have any of your games made it to vinyl? Is it something that interests you? What, what's your views on, on that big uh, sort of growing industry? Yeah, yes. So here's the thing. Um, I find this very interesting, the, the vinyl revival. Yeah. And, um, and I have released vinyls myself, um, particularly, um, for the, um, the, I, I did several Kickstarters, as you may know. 
That's uh, right. To yeah, revive yeah. the old projects, um, including Tarakan series, and we're, we're now on the on the um, this is the this was the fourth Kickstarter we did last year, and um, the third Tarakan style project, and uh, the last two actually were orchestral renditions of Tarakan music. Wow! <laughs> and this came about because uh, um, a fan of mine who had contacted me when he was a teenager. Uh, and wrote me letters like, I'm your biggest fan ever. And I've gotten quite a few of those yeah. uh, letters and I thought not much of it, you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody says that they're, they're biggest fan, uh, but he, he probably was the one because he made his career bringing video game music to the orchestra. And his name is Thomas Berker. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, and he did, uh, concerts in Leipzig for that, um, older, uh, before Gamescom, there was Games Convention in Leipzig, and he did a series of concerts with that um, convention there. And then he branched out and uh, produced his own concerts. And the first one that he produced totally by himself was uh, Symphonic Shades, yeah. which was really his his love letter to my music, and um, uh, got the um, Got a big orchestra from the WDR, which is one of the large radio stations over in Germany, uh, to play a full-length concert of my music. And uh, that was also simultaneously uh, uh, um, broadcast on the radio, which was probably the first uh, uh, first for video game music. That was live broadcast on the radio, played by a 70-plus orchestra and choir. Uh, so that was another highlight of my career, I would say. Like, I remember sitting in those concerts and like tears were running down my cheeks constantly. So amazing. I bet, it, yeah. I mean, your, um, your hard work, you know, obviously is, has touched a lot of people. So it must mean quite a lot to you, obviously. And, you know. Oh, yeah. fantastic. And the thing is, I mean, I never learned how to uh, properly score an orchestra. I have done a lot of like reading about it and I can put probably together fairly decent sounding orchestral arrangement yeah. uh, but we actually hired professionals to do the arrangements and, uh, and and orchestrations and it shows it was really uh, all the all the projects I've done with Thomas have really been each one has been better than the um, previous one and it's now I would say um, without um, wanting to toot our horns too much but it's i think it's world-class stuff and um yeah. the latest one the latest two actually we did a record in sweden and that was tarikan music the first for tarikan 2 the second one was more a mix of all the tarikan titles yeah um we recorded in sweden uh, with an orchestra and uh funded by kickstarter by the fans we put essentially every cent into those projects and those also included vinyl, and that comes back to your question. Yeah. But yeah. they're not—they're not the original recordings from the machines, from like uh, Amiga or uh, or consoles, uh, which I think like a lot of vinyl re-releases or something are just taking the nostalgia <laughs> and then taking the original sounds and putting them on vinyl. And I think that's a little bit disingenuous. Then it becomes just like a, yeah kind of like cool collectible but we we did a step further and actually put a full orchestra onto the vinyl love it mm -hmm. i'm going to be checking those out uh, definitely so they're still available aren't they to buy uh, yes yes and they're they're also limited edition oh yeah um so they're they're a little bit more pricey but you get like uh, a full box set with uh, two two vinyls because cd length doesn't fit on one yeah so um, there are two vinyls and uh, there's some uh, uh, nice um, art prints in there too that you can frame and put on your wall. And it's a nice packaging. And the CD is also included. Oh, wow. And, and we also, everybody who buys one gets uh, the download code as well. So if, if it's like a really strong collector, then they can actually leave the box um, in shrink wrap and can still enjoy the music because they get the, the download code as well. So that's how we do this. And uh, they're all numbered and um, uh, serialized. So Good. Where's where's the best place to find this? Would you say your, your personal website? or 
Well, yeah, there's a, we, we made actually a website for all those Torican soundtracks and it's called torikansoundtrack.com. Nice. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, I've got about two or three questions left. Um, Absolutely. You mentioned a few bands already, a bit of, a few things that you like listening to, but is there any particular bands and, you know, that you love listening to now or back in the day that, that have helped inspire you throughout the years? Yeah, I think we meant, we mentioned the uh, synthesizer grades yeah. already. Um, then in the, in the eighties, um, you know, it was a lot of, as I said, Italian disco. Yeah. Uh, and, and British pop as well. Oh, yeah. Wave, the wave and stuff like that. And, um, became a big fan of the Pet Shop Boys. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, and, um, uh, anything that Trevor Horn produced yeah. always blows my mind. I mean, um, things like Frankie Goes to Hollywood and I, countless others. I mean, those held up so well. Classics. Um, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And then, um, film music. I mentioned a few, um, uh, John Williams, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, Hans Zimmer, uh, Alain Silvestri. Jerry Goldsmith. There's 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 a ton of people I admire there. Uh, a few a few of the synthesizer legends also made it into film music, um, like Van Gallus, obviously. Yeah. Uh, then a couple of years ago, what absolutely blew me away was the soundtrack for Tron Two. Oh, I need to see that. I've heard good things. Uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic, and um, so uh, that soundtrack uh, was amazing. I've seen the first one, and I, I, yeah, I definitely want to, I've got to see the second one now. Yeah, it's good stuff. And um, and then you know we, we mentioned a few games, but I also I'm I'm not that good with names, but uh, I, I mentioned a few. Uh, yeah, but today, um, I mean, a couple of years ago, um, I I don't know if they have a new album out, but Hybrid, which is also from England. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they're amazing, and uh, then there's also I listen to a lot of this uh, synthwave, which is like a revival of the '80s sound. Yeah. Uh, you know this, you know the Stranger Things soundtrack, for example. Oh, it's, ex and, it's excellent, isn't it? And, yeah. yeah, or that that Drive soundtrack from the movie Drive, which has different people kind of do that stuff. Um, is that that's a great? I mean, one of one of our yeah, colleagues. Yeah. Yeah, one of my colleagues in Arcade Attack, Keith, he, he loves that film. And I think the music's part of the reason. Well, I, I love the film as well, but it's definitely up there. It is a yeah. great soundtrack. Can't deny that. So there's, there's a lot. And, um, you know, I'm also a big fan of Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting because I'm, I'm a music consumer, but I'm also an artist on there. I have my music, um, you know, everywhere. Ah. Uh, where online music is consumed, like be it iTunes or uh, Spotify in that case, others. There you go, yeah. But really, I'm as as like an artist. I like Spotify too, and this is probably controversial for some people. Uh, but I actually um, get most of my royalties now from Spotify. Wow! That, and yeah. uh, I think it's because I'm I'm directly uh, putting my music out myself. Uh, yeah, you can't I, don't have a, I don't have a record company in between that skims off most of the money. So <laughs> clever. Uh, yeah. So I'm actually very happy with that. And they have this feature where they um, they analyze what you listen to, and then they send you a, a weekly playlist, or you know, fill up a weekly playlist that you can listen to. And I have discovered amazing new music that I didn't even know existed or is brand new that kind of sounds like the 80s again and i'm super like like i feel like a kid again <laughs> brilliant ah oh, that's a good little tip and spotify there you go it sounds like a good platform for um you know new and old artists so good on you chris I like that absolutely um the penultimate question you kind of mentioned a bit here earlier about your kickstarter campaigns but what projects or games are you currently working on are you allowed to disclose a few little snippets um, yeah, I'm working on uh, several indie projects. Um, one of them is called Tiny Tor, okay, which is like a cute side-scroller, uh, jump-and-run uh, type of game. Uh, so that that one is fun. And then uh, there's a there's a 
there's actually a new C64 game that I'm involved with. Wow. Uh, that's coming out. It's called Unknown Realm. Good. Uh, that was also a Kickstarter last year. And um, then I'm working on finishing up that second Kickstarter of my, my mind, that uh, Turrican, um, you know, mixed from different Turrican pieces. We already delivered the orchestra recordings to the um, backers and fans. Yep. Uh, in digital form, but uh, I'm still working on actually creating new Amiga renditions or uh, new Amiga compositions wow. with my original old tools uh, <laughs> that are then recorded on a real Amiga and uh, they fill a second album that we're delivering to the fans. And so that's still in the works and we're, we're hoping to deliver that sometime in uh, April, May. Of this year you're, you're a busy man you're doing so many oh things my. tell me about it <laughs> <laughs> that's i mean obviously people can follow you on twitter they can check your website oh, yeah. out they can keep up to date that way um absolutely and then i don't know if you heard of my lifestyle change that i did um two years ago yeah. where um, my wife and i we sold our house in the san francisco bay area and we actually uh moved into a motorhome wow. and traveled the u.s really yeah, and I'm still doing that. So, um, are you tempted to travel maybe across Europe a bit more? Go back to your old old digs, or are you sticking to America? No, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I couldn't take this motorhome over there, but yeah. uh, it might be possible to like rent one and do like an extended trip through Europe. Uh, that yeah. would be fun. Well, if you're ever in the UK, always give us a shout. It'd be cool to catch up. But oh, brilliant! You know, okay. no, I really appreciate it. You're working hard. The the work you've put out is top quality. So I, I know our fans will love this. Um, before I mm. say goodbye, then Chris, because we've almost spoken for an hour now, so I don't take any more of your time. Bit of a bit of a strange question. If you could go for a drink or maybe a couple of steins of lager with any video game character, who would you choose and why? Uh, video game character. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, I don't know, really. I'm tempted to say Mario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the funny, he seems like a funny character. You know that that could be uh, that could be a fun-filled evening. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? I mean, he's got lots of tales to tell. Yeah, definitely. lots of stories. Exactly. He's been in so many games; he could talk for hours, couldn't he? Exactly. Nice. I would say so. Yeah, let's go with Mario. Why not? Why not? We, we kick Luigi away and just <laughs> have a few drinks yeah. with Mario. Look, Chris, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, it's, you know, you're a proper legend in our eyes. The music you've created has been part of our childhood. And I do honestly appreciate your time today. So thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, this was, this was really fun. Um, you know, you, you know, to ask the right questions and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed this. Oh, thank you, Chris. Uh, and, and thanks to, to all the fans out there and, uh, People who may not know me should uh, try to discover me. I'm, I'm, I'm easy to find online. Uh, I'll, I'll say goodbye now. And uh, I, I know for a fact our fans will love it. So thank you again so much. Okay, thanks. And bye. Thanks for listening to today's podcast we really hope you enjoyed it if you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else you can tweet us at arcade attack uk at keith barlow 82 and at arcade underscore adriano we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash arcade attack uk 
please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness interviews reviews features top tens etc and you can also find all our previous podcasts there our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from stitcher podbean and itunes where you can also leave us a review and a rating which we would really really appreciate so until next time take care and we'll speak to you soon